Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for December 8th, 2019. This is uh, the second Sunday of Advent, uh, uh, the the New Year, lectionarily speaking. Right. Uh, and uh, um, uh, we, had a, we had a great uh, 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 first of December. A good, uh, Hopefully you had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, and uh, uh, if not, there's a good Christmas right around the corner. So uh, uh, plenty of plenty of feasts, uh, liturgical feasts. Uh, no? no, no. I'm just saying that's not exactly the Adventy attitude. <laughs> oh, that's right. We're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't going that far. I was just thinking you know, a time of reflection. Uh, remember growth. mortality. <laughs> We don't have to have the best Christmas ever. We just should have the most faithful. Oh goodness, one. no, yeah. no, no! That was obviously that one time when you were seven, <laughs> and it will never happen again. <laughs> ever, <laughs> ever, you're never gonna beat it. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. So, um, uh, let me uh, let's let's keep on rolling. Right. People, people want to get to the meat of this uh, this podcast. They just love that lectionary year A. Yeah, exactly. Matthew. Let's yeah. get into it. Uh, but, uh, but before we do, yes. I'm going to try to stump the priest with the word ontology. Well, that's what God is. This, no? Maybe. Okay. I suppose, depending on how you then interpret the, the, official, the official Episcopal Church definition does not mention God at all. Oh, then maybe I'm way off. <laughs> Uh, ontology with an O, O-N-T-O-L-O-G-Y, yeah. deriving from the present part, uh, participle of the Greek verb to be. It is the study of being. Ontology, okay, yeah. ontology studies being uh, in its general common nature rather than in its particular types and instances. It is also known as the study of the fir of first principles or metaphysics. Ontology. Yeah. Well, yes, that's obviously all very accurate, much more accurate than what I said. But Look, your beef is with the Episcopal Church. <laughs> As dot usual. Com, dot org. <laughs> I just want to explain my stupidity. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it takes too long. But uh, <laughs> Not what I meant, but you're okay. <laughs> where, where the terms most often used is in the discussion of the Holy Trinity, mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. you know, what is the nature of God, what is the nature oh, okay. of okay. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit personhood. So, so getting down into the uh, principal essence of of a deity being. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's why I was pulling it. I from suppose that would that, that would that would that would make sense. Uh, yeah. uh, ontology to me, it would be very different. It's very different from ontology to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we are clearly on different planes. Right. Um, uh, You're heading to Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps. Holy perhaps Spirit's going to heaven. <laughs> Uh, but I, I but I like this word, especially uh, considering that we uh, we continue to delve into Pauline letters, mm -hmm. and Paul very much uh, uh, as it struck me as I found this word on the website. Uh, Paul very much is about ontology. Very uh, good. A yes, lot he of is. his uh, writings are very much about your current state of being and mm -hmm. focusing on that moment. So yeah. I thought I would bring out and the and yeah, the state of being of God. Yeah. So yeah. I thought I'd bring out the big guns on. Uh, What's on, a big gun? Uh, yeah. There you yeah. go. Or a related gun, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, if your Christmas dinner conversation starts to lag, work in ontology. 
There you go. Ontology. That's ontology, not oncology. Yes. Yeah, that'd be words, a bummer. Uh, but both would be uh, preferable to politics. So yes. feel free. Feel yeah, free to do use religion it. instead. <laughs> right. So much less passion around. Religion it. and taxes would be a lot, a lot more preferable. Um, or death. In, in the season of Advent, let's stick with that. That would be. I'd much rather talk about that. Um, so let's move on to the uh, uh, to the readings. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 through 10, it reads this way, A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord rest, shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. But what right? But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand in the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the people's, the nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. So um, I guess my first question uh, arises from kind of conjunction with the reading from last week, which was Isaiah 2. Mm -hmm. um, in that passage uh, from, from the lectionary last week, the top, the, 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 he discussed basically warring no longer right. and, uh, and and coming to peace, not necessarily as a prophecy, just talking about how that is, that time will come. Uh, so if you feel strife in, in yeah, this moment, be reassured. Uh, there 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 will be there will be a mo there will be time that will come where, where that is not the case. Is this kind of a continuation of this? Yeah, because it kind of does have a little bit more of a prophecy style feel, talking about. Uh, a, a shoot coming out of the, the stump of Jesse, which I, I, I'm guessing is more of a comment on lineage. Right. Uh, that, of that, King David. Okay. Okay. And that, 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 that the, the lineage shall continue and there will be a new offshoot from that family. And well, it, the, this was written in the 700s uh -huh. uh, BCE. And it was a time when the, Essentially, the kingship of, of David, David's line, was irrelevant and destroyed. And so the people of Israel were looking back with a certain amount of nostalgia for that time when oh, okay. they had a just king who was effective. So that's, that's why that, the imagery is the branch coming out of the root. Yeah. Uh, that, that, and it's a stump because it, it yeah. was once believed to be dead, but it's not. Right. Exactly. Gotcha. So it's okay. a restoration of the kingdom. Um, okay, but not just any kingdom, but um, at least one commentator is called the peaceable kingdom. And mm -hmm. this was written, the 700s were time of terrible war 
in the region uh, for the Jews, that they were um, taken into slavery multiple times through that century. So not only was it a time of war, it was wars they were losing. Got and it. So the idea of having a military king, as David was, a great hero, military hero, mm-hmm. uh, was ex- extremely appealing. So here Isaiah transforms that hope from being simply a military slash political successful king, which would only last the lifetime of that particular individual, Mm -hmm. to a real transformation of what is existence. Okay. So it's certainly, for Christians, part of the foretelling of the kingdom of God as Jesus preaches about it. And so that's one reason we have it in the season of Advent is that traditionally this has been interpreted as a prophecy of the coming of Jesus. Okay, that was going to be my, that was going to be my question. Is yeah. that really uh, now? Is that uh, is that tradition? You mentioned it being a tradition. Mm-hmm. Is that more something that was that was more something that was put upon it after the fact? Oh yeah, we have it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, not not necessarily. This isn't necessarily the prophecy of like. One will come who... <laughs> well, I mean, it's one of these things where with Scripture, as with any human document, there's that that dimension where it makes more sense in retrospect. Uh-huh. And so I th- the middle road approach that's very Episcopalian is, yes, for faithful Jews, this is a prophecy and a description of a just government okay. and a peace-filled earth. And for Christians, it can be a prophecy of the just and loving Messiah. And as Episcopalians, we can hold both as true simultaneously. Got it. We don't see that as contradictory. Uh, And we believe God does want peace on earth, um, even as God also was willing to become human in the form of Christ. Mm -hmm. So both, both are true. One does not have to cancel out the other. Gotcha. Christianity was supposed to be peaceful. Yes. Surprisingly enough, <laughs> sometimes we succeed. <laughs> Usually when we have no political power. That's gotcha. what we're best at being peaceful. Gotcha. Uh, uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? Yeah, um, uh, yeah so, so um, the bulk of this passage really is taught, is, uh, in a way it almost feels uh, Pauline, as where well, since I mm-hmm. keep mentioning, uh, because he would explain things like nine different ways to right. Sunday, uh, saying the same thing over and over again. Um, so the like I said, the bulk the bulk of it is uh, uh, really talking about how um, animals that currently are not in harmony with each other, yeah. or, or, or generally found to be in harmony with each other, uh, will be at peace, including uh, uh, children not being stung by. Uh, uh, hornet or or uh, bitten by a snake, yeah. Uh, um, Which uh, many believe, many scholars believe, is an intentional harking back to the Genesis Adam Adam and Eve story. Gotcha. But that's that's overturned. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. In the peaceable kingdom. Interesting. Um, anything? Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the things my wife. Uh, who's a vegetarian, will tease me about is the um, bear is grazing, that it's a vegetarian, peaceable Uh, kingdom, um, arguably. The cow and the bear shall graze. Yeah. 
the bears not, and, the, and the lion the shall eat straw like the ox yeah, yeah. oh and the, so, oh, the so other, see there you go yeah you non-vegetarian <laughs> i still love my leftover turkey from thanksgiving i um, do and in terms of the repetition well we've talked about this before that's a form of poetry in the hebrew language mm. and most all except verse 10 here is part of a poem so okay. that's why there's the re repeated imagery gotcha is that people then go oh this is a poem this is symbolic um this is playing to our emotions in a beautiful way gotcha like a, a wonderful song today yeah. um yeah anything anything else i mean i, I feel like that's we, kind of uh probably should it's kind of it we could keep going and going, but we should probably move on. We probably shouldn't. <laughs> uh, Romans. Romans chapter 15, verse 4 through 13. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore, I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, obvious uh, tie to the first reading. Right. The quote, yeah. Where are these quotes from? Because he mentions Gentiles quite a lot, and I don't see Gentiles in necessarily being written in uh, the passage about... No, you know, it's not in the Isaiah passage we just had. Uh, is he artificially... No, oh, because that's what kind of what you know, he's, he's obviously got a very a very strong bent yeah. towards passing on this message that many would have felt was not meant to them. It is mm -hmm. something that he's combating. That uh, uh, no, this message is for all, not just right. for uh, God's chosen. Uh, so it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if he is adding a little right uh, but you're saying you're, you're shaking your head like no that's not uh, that's not what he's doing no he's he's pulling from deuteronomy from isaiah okay. um from psalms and a stringing together so which was very both common and acceptable at that time mm -hmm. you didn't have to footnote each each one um one thing he does that's interesting is in verse 10 where it reads and again he says and then the quotation, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. Mm -hmm. In the Hebrew, with is not there. So it's, oh, okay. would rejoice, it would read, Rejoice, O Gentiles, his people. Gotcha. So it even... He's bringing them into 
the fold of that you are also God's. His yes, people. but also even more. Yeah, he's he added the with. Well, uh-huh. he didn't add it. What he did was pull from the Greek Bible of his time, mm-hmm. the Septuagint. And so it's interesting for Bible scholars because now we know what Bible he had in his hand mm-hmm. or scroll as he worked, did some of his work. He couldn't carry them everywhere he went. And therefore, because it has the width in there, mm-hmm. we know that he was using the Septuagint. Okay. Um, that he was quoting from the Greek rather than translating from Hebrew into Greek. Mm-hmm. And he was writing in Greek uh, the whole letter. Um so it, it, it's fun that way. It's, it brings another dimension of Paul's day-to-day life and his training and um, what was in his library to light. And mm-hmm. also it's interesting to think of the Hebrew translation of rejoice, O Gentiles, his people, mm-hmm. where it implies then that the Gentiles are, are God's people, mm-hmm. that there, there isn't two sets. Gotcha. Um, but again, Paul used the Bible that he had at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, he is quoting from various p- parts of Scripture, but he's not messing with them. He's okay. just putting different pieces from different locations together. Okay, that, that like I said, that was my my question. I, yeah. I don't know how often the word Gentiles I've found in passages uh, or, or that I noted that weren't like uh, uh, post. Crucifixion, resurrection. Oh, they're all over the. Hebrew Are they really okay? Yeah, that, I'm. I'm just not paying attention. <laughs> that's right. Which is entirely possible. Well, and that's the idea. For sure. That's the advantage of looking at scriptures from now on. You will. Yeah. Because suddenly you're going, wait a minute, where is that? Gotcha. Yeah, it's used frequently in the Hebrew scriptures, usually in contrast to um, the Jews, but not always. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's in combination that hey, like here, you're all in this together. God loves all of us. Uh, Now, I have a question about how it begins here. Uh, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instructions so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So at the time that he wrote this, scriptures, would they have included the early gospels? So he is expressly referring back to Isaiah, the prophets, and the like, like the old. So so it's not necessarily. Gotcha. So he's not uh, exactly pulling in new writings uh, not at all. As, as, for, as far as this goes. Quite exactly the opposite. He's yeah. referring to the writings that have been agreed upon for uh, a mm-hmm. couple hundred years by this point. Um, so then, um, okay, that was, that was uh, yeah. one question. For the other one I had, uh, so, for I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. Um, I want to unpack that a little bit. Um, so a servant of the circumcised refers to the the, the, the new pact with God uh, after um, um, Abraham. After Abraham. Or with Abraham. Or with, yeah. Um, like, is that... Or, in, in in I guess in light of uh, what we read later, talking about uh, uh, rejoice of Gentiles as people, uh, that still would have included them as as this group. So he is he is more he, he's still making a cohesive universal argument that uh, Christ is the servant of all. Yeah, I mean, and as 
it's so important to do. You can't pull out one verse and say, this is what Paul's saying. You have to have the whole body right. of it. Right. So yeah, if you combine all the pieces, it is the the Gospels for Jews and Gentiles, both. Mm-hmm. And so he refers to the patriarchs so that it's clear that Paul has a very strong belief that Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises made to Abraham, that his descendants right. would be as numerous as the stars. That was going to be my question. Who, yeah. who falls under the patriarchs category yeah. as well? And then also includes the Gentiles, who especially Isaiah within the Hebrew scriptures started Mm -hmm. to really explicitly talk about as part of uh, God's beloved. And then, of course, Jesus emphasizes that over and over. And then um, Paul does again and again. Mm -hmm. Um, And then and then does carry through that same that same, you know, may, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Uh, in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it, it is a, it, it, it is also still putting that, that peace bow on, on the message yeah. as well. Um, and this probably was a liturgical expression even before he started to write. Okay. And, and the Episcopal Church and many other uh, Christian traditions, we have it frequently within our prayers and blessings. And so it's kind of, to me, it's it's very moving to think about how, for how many centuries that sentence has been shared with people um, mm. as a form of blessing in God's love. Cool. Uh, anything, anything else? I don't have any other questions. Okay, let's move on then. All right. Matthew. Still skeptical. <laughs> uh, still skeptical. You miss Luke. Luke. Um... <laughs> Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize with water uh, for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Um, So, out of curiosity, obviously Matthew ties uh, uh, John the Baptist uh, to a fulfilling of that uh, prophecy from Isaiah, uh, saying that uh, uh, one will come out of the wilderness. Uh, 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 the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. But prior to him, what do you? Th- do we have any idea what people? How have people interpreted that? Did they actually mm-hmm. interpret it as 
uh, an actual prophecy and they were looking for someone coming out of the wilderness? Or is it just kind of like one of those things after the fact that were like, oh, yeah, there was this one. <laughs> there was this reference of like uh, somebody in the wilderness. And obviously this guy with honey and locusts all over his beard is from that region. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was him. Actually, what a lot of current people, uh, contemporary people don't realize is that at at this time, there were all sorts of John the Baptist type figures wandering in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. It was almost like televangelists today. Of, Without television or an audience speaking to the well, zones? Or? No. <laughs> people, they'd had an audience. Okay. Um, people would, would pack their picnic lunches and go listen to the latest um, supposed prophet with his rantings out hmm. Out in the wilderness, which wouldn't take long to get to. It would you know, be a half day's walk at the most. Gotcha. And you could sit down on the grass and listen to the guy rave and wave his arms around and eat bugs and you know whatever special effects were needed to draw a crowd. And then go home and have your supper. So this was their Sunday matinee. It really was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And hmm. many people didn't take it seriously. Um, they'd go and hear a different one every week. But... John the Baptist, um, we get we his work is preserved because of his um, baptizing. Oh, and, and many of them baptized, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which was just a ritual washing. It wasn't gotcha. the kind of baptism that we think of within Christianity, um, and it was extremely common during the time of Jesus. Uh, many homes were built with um, outdoor bathing. Um, pools so oh. that people every day could ritually cleanse themselves gotcha. uh, to um, help so this, them draw closer to God. This was a practice that had been in 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 existence for a while. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Baptism wasn't like suddenly this you know this right. fad nouveau right that, uh, that, that was born out of like oh well, the son of man just got baptized. Let's yeah, I'm going to start back. That's a great idea. Let's do it. Yeah. So this was this was part of a, a regular ritual uh, mm-hmm. for for the Jewish people. Already. Not just Jewish, but uh, just but, in general. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but we do know uh, a lot more about what the Jewish rituals were, and and frankly, we're more concerned about what they were since Jesus was Jewish. Um, yeah. So in and one of the interesting things about this passage is it. It occurs in similar forms in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, mm-hmm. but only in Matthew are the the opposition to Jesus named as Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. So, I mean, the, the throughout many gospel readings, uh, Pharisees and Sadducees are the point of of uh, ire and. Um, general unhappiness uh, uh uh why like what is it about them um that that is makes them such a su- such targets in, yeah, in the gospel reading sort of being straight men for jesus's teaching yes sometimes. yes <laughs> was it was it just generally they were they, they, they as the story goes on like is this more of something that was pointed out afterwards because as the story got went on they were more skeptical of jesus than others or like like, well, this is this is one of those places uh, where it's important if you're at least a, if you're a Bible geek to like me to compare 
the four Gospels, because in Luke and John, the Pharisees really aren't bad guys. Okay. They're, they're often truly, sincerely seeking Jesus's wisdom and teaching, whereas in Matthew especially, the Pharisees are, yeah, opposition to yeah, Jesus. They're, they're like a foil, too. Yeah, they're like a foil, and... Um, you know, by chapter three, they're on the bad guy list. Right. Um, yeah, very expressly singled out. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's that's part of the reason that um, some people think of Matthew as the gospel that's most oriented towards what the Jewish culture and theology were in the time of Jesus. Okay, explain that. So, why, why, like, why would that be? Why would those two things be linked? Then, be, because Matthew, part of Matthew's point is throughout his gospel, not just here, is that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were wrong and Jesus was right, to grossly oversimplify. Gotcha. Whereas in Luke, it's much more where the Pharisees were getting there, mm -hmm. but they still needed Jesus. And in John, it's much more of a, oh, the Pharisees knew Jesus was the Messiah for the most part, but were scared to proclaim that. Mm. So there, there's these different perspectives so from matthew's point of view was this basically like the first uh one of the first stones to topple from yeah. the hierarchy yeah. they represented the jewish uh uh church yeah. synagogue uh religious sect well, and and therefore had the most to lose from jesus kind of upending that or like actually it was the sadducees who had the most okay. to lose they were the, the sadducees um in the time of jesus were the ones who were in, in charge of the temple in Jerusalem mm -hmm. and therefore had all of the political religious power, which was intertwined in that mm -hmm. era in all the empires. And so they were um, seen by most Jews as the sellouts to the Romans because gotcha. they were puppets they were the of puppets. the Romans. Yeah. Gotcha. The Pharisees, historically, um, not just within the Gospels, but historically, were faithful leaders who were not willing to sell out, uh, but still were very conscious of not going too far in upsetting the Romans. Gotcha. And therefore were, were often teaching very, very close to what Jesus taught, mm -hmm. but weren't willing to take the final step of risking their lives to be faithful to God. Gotcha. So so I, I'm, you're already kind of painting a picture for me uh, who Matthew was as, mm -hmm. uh, from a point of view and, and as an author. Uh, uh, Sadducees uh, were, were more, you know, clear opposition. Right. Uh, but m perhaps for Matthew, even the, maybe even the Pharisees were, uh, would have drawn, drawn more of his disdain because of their wishy-washiness. Yes, because they were so he, close. They know, and yeah. yet they didn't. And yet they Whereas did not the do. Sadducees, like clearly, were like they were, they were, they were, uh, they were, they, they didn't care. Like you know, yeah, they, they, like, they weren't even. They were close already in the pocket of yeah the and, Roman Empire, and they weren't even close to carrying a, hmm. a ethic or spirituality similar to what Jesus was teaching. But yeah, Matthew was within these stories is, is almost frustrated with the Pharisees that they were so close mm -hmm. but weren't willing to take the final step. And one of the most important things for us to realize as Christians today as we read the Gospels is by, by the time the Gospels were written down, none of these groups existed anymore. 
Okay. Because the the Romans had basically killed them all. Gotcha. So uh, so they'd seen it as a threat and had uh... yeah the Jewish revolution had unfolded after the death of Jesus, coincidentally, mm -hmm. presumably. And basically anyone who was an authority figure within Judaism who hadn't literally ran away from uh, the Holy Land was killed. Interesting. So then let's, uh, let's stay on that a mm -hmm. little bit because the, the second half of this reading is very much a fire and brimstone yeah. uh, feel. And, and I know before we've talked about how... Um, at this point in time, fire was also a purifier. Right. I don't know as if it reads that way. <laughs> it doesn't sound as, through the way fire and uh, uh, is being used in these in these in, in the context text of these uh, quotes that John the Baptist is necessarily meaning, and something better will come out of it. <laughs> it really does read like, and you will be turned to dust and be no more. Like it, and and if so, if if uh, the way it plays out, um, um, the first part talking about uh, somebody more powerful than I, uh, he will baptize you with Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit and fire. Uh, that's obviously Jesus. But in, in the way that the verse 12 reads, you could one could make the argument that uh, uh, as opposed to Jesus, the one who actually does the you clear the threshing floor is the Roman Empire then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because Jesus himself does not necessarily fulfill some of the language of 12. Like if right. you were to compartmentalize it. At least it, hasn't yet. <laughs> at least hasn't yet. But uh, uh, if you were to compartmentalize it, you know, verse 11 talking about baptizing with Holy Spirit and fire, that still does fit within that, you know, that definition we've, of fire that we've talked about before. Of purifying. Of, of purifying and making something better or something new. Mm -hmm. um, 12 is a lot more <laughs> A lot more permanent, <laughs> let's yes. say. Um, uh, so, so what more, is? Uh oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, I mean, uh, and and like I said, obviously, uh, uh, with the way he starts out uh, this, let's call it a rant. It's a, it's a bit of a rant. Yeah. Um, uh, you brood of vipers. I uh, love that part. <laughs> uh, so the bookends are pretty. It's harsh language. Uh, there's no real getting around it. If you were to take out seven and twelve, you could be like, "Oh, okay, this yeah. is this fits with with the message of love and peace, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, creating a new world where the you know the lion, the, the, the lion and the sheep are you know <laughs> lay down together. That's that's great. But put the bookends back in. It's kind of like oh, that. I'm getting some a little bit of mixed message here. Like I'm not entirely sure. Like what what should we take away from this? Well, I'll, I'll sort of start at the back end of it. was a long rant of mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have any issues? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, one of the interesting things is John prophesizes that he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Mm -hmm. Jesus never baptized anyone. Yeah. Yeah. So we know automatically that this isn't can't be read literally. Gotcha. Because certainly we think Jesus is present in a, a baptism today, a Christian baptism right. today there. That that's part of our faith, um, but he's not present clearly in the way that John the Baptist was anticipating as he spoke these mm -hmm. words. So if we don't take, if we just are willing to sort of shrug that off, we shouldn't take verse twelve all. We shouldn't take verse twelve literally. Mm -hmm. um, we have to instead see that 
there's a lot of hyperbole going on here, and that the emphasis that John the Baptist is giving us here is a wake up, mm-hmm. yet again, another part of the gospel where it's a wake up passage, and it doesn't necessarily have to be wake up or else you go to hell. Right. It can be simply wake up, the Savior is with you. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, which is our, our theology that, that Christ is with every one of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, and the interesting thing is the, the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Mm-hmm. Now, with all my life hearing about hell in various ways from Bugs Bunny cartoons on up, Sure. So, you know, it's a it really is a cultural oh, sure. metaphor. Yeah, very very cultural. It's hard for me not to see this as oh, okay, there's hell somewhere where the flames never go out. But if we keep with the meaning of flame as purifier, mm-hmm. then that means that God is constantly working on us to purify us rather than punish us. The unquenchable mm-hmm. fire could be the love of a generous God helping us be better and better which is quite the opposite of how this passage would normally be interpreted at first reading by most Americans. That Very true. And mm-hmm. I have never read anyone write that down, so I could be totally wrong. <laughs> uh, I, I was going to, I was going to offer another uh, point of view. Uh, perhaps uh, John the Baptist was just wrong. Oh yeah. There's uh, always because uh, one, we do know from our discussions and from, from many uh, uh, discussions here at the church, uh, um, whether in adult forum or, or elsewhere, uh, one of the things that uh, people did have wrong, uh, and the disciples themselves also fell into this category sometimes, is they thought it was going to be, you know, like a rebellion style, establish a real nation. Yeah. Um, perhaps John, that kind of fits into, like, if John thought that the one coming after him was going to overthrow the Romans mm-hmm. and establish a new Jewish kingdom, uh, uh, the the, the new kingdom of of Israel, uh, then this language would make a little bit more sense of like, uh, yeah, all of that is going to be burned and gone and, and, and completely burned away. And you, 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 you know, you, your time is coming because the kingdom of God is near. Uh, and which, you know, in in a way kind of makes it interesting because that, or at least interesting to me, because, uh, not all key figures in, uh, uh, you know, religious texts have to be right 100% of the time. Yeah. In fact, I get quite a lot out of it when they're wrong. Yeah, that and, often teaches us something too. Yeah, and that even even in being, if that were the case, even in being wrong, John still fulfills what God, uh, you know, what needed him to do or, right. or, or uh, as ha- having him do, which is, you know, prepare the way mm-hmm. and, and uh, draw attention to uh, ultimately Jesus who does come and and then once Jesus has the attention, he has a new yeah. message, which is... And and there are people you know, sitting there with their picnic lunches, listening to John the Baptist as one of many preachers available that day to talk about the end of the world um, or God's next move. There are people who would hear these words and think, there are those Jewish rebels that are gathering weapons up in the hills. Mm. So, yeah. We think John the Baptist is right. Gotcha. We th- and and that was a terrible, bloody war that mm-hmm. followed that that killed thousands of Jews. Um, 
and and destroyed much of um, the Holy Land. Literally, the buildings were burned and trashed by the Romans. And so, in that way, it would have made mm -hmm. sense to the Christians who were hearing this um, thirty years after the end of that rebellion, after it was destroyed. Mm. And also, there's the tradition within the Gospels and Paul's writing, which remember again is earlier than the Gospels, of the end of the world is right here. Right. And the belief by many that the end of the world was going to come before any of the listeners were died of natural causes. Right. And so, yeah, there, John the Baptist's words could really be part of three different um, interpretations. Right. And in some ways, all of them right mm -hmm. uh, and all of them wrong. <laughs> And, and, and that's the beauty of scripture. Three different interpretations that in some way, shape, or form still continue today. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. No, he's talking about, he wasn't talking about then. It's, you know, the second coming is what he's yeah. talking about, which will be the unquenchable fire. Well, yeah. You know. Yeah. Chaff. And be... that guy over there is a Sadducee. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Which should not do. Mod modern <laughs> Sadducee. The modern yeah. Sadducee. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it just is interesting how... Uh, um, and, and and that really begs the question: is is, is that uh, is is that then our personal perversion of the true meaning of the word of God, no. or is that more a, a representation of uh, individual walks uh, of, of of life and yeah. and, uh, and and personal discernment that the but also community discern community yeah. discernment that the different scriptures mean different things in different eras. To different people. <laughs> to different people, yeah. But even the, the bulk of Christianity will need a certain scripture for a certain era. Mm -hmm. Like when Christians were being thrown to the lions and, and literally dying for their faith left, right, and center. Mm -hmm. Certain scriptures were extremely powerful to them, such as this one. Right. Um, whereas for a comfortable living Christian of the 1950s, this would have been seen perhaps as, a oh, okay, that's an artifact. And then yeah. the Cuban Missile Crisis comes along, mm -hmm. and the possibility of the USSR and the United States obliterating the whole wide world suddenly just becomes real in a different way. Right. I mean, it, that's how I think God has gifted us with such a, a rich gift of Scripture that it it can give us the meaning through the Holy Spirit that we need for this day mm. and for this era. And we shouldn't judge other Christians in the past for what they needed, nor presume what Christians in the future might need from Scripture. A good point. All right, you brood of vipers. Uh, let's, uh, <laughs> let's call it quits here. No, uh, uh, thank you so much for joining us uh, this week uh, for, for Shortcuts Sunday. Uh, your podcast was for uh, December 8th, uh, 2019. Feel free to join us at uh, 8 and 10, uh, adult forum and, and youth group in between. And uh, uh, hopefully we'll see you this coming Sunday. And we'll see what uh, we'll see if uh, Father Bruce does a, a fire and brimstone version uh, a sermon. Uh, um, We're gonna have some fun with John the Baptist. Probably, probably, I get the feeling you're probably not a fire and brimstone <laughs> pulpit guy. Uh, yeah, so, I've never slammed a Bible on a pulpit. <laughs> no blasphemy. Uh, but uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We'll, have, we'll have to see uh, how he, which which route he takes. Yes. Uh, so it should be fun. So uh, with that, uh, we'll end it. Uh, this was your podcast, like I said, for December 8th, 2019. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.